Um, we now have quorum and we can begin. Good afternoon and welcome to the November 8, 2023 Treasure Island Development Authority Board Meeting. The TIDA Board and its committees are conveying, convening hybrid meetings that will allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment by telephone. Public comment will be taken for each item on the agenda. Those attending in person will be heard first, following by those joining remotely by phone. For remote public comment, the call-in number is 415-655-0001. The access code is 26626886482. Then press pound, then press pound again. When your item of interest is called, dial star 3 to be added to the queue to speak. Remote public comment will be limited to 20 minutes per agenda item. When public comment is called on your item of interest, those joining in person should line up to speak at the podium, and those on the telephone should dial star 3 to also be added to the queue. Each speaker may address the board once per agenda item for up to two minutes. You will hear a chime indicating you have 30 seconds remaining and a second chime when your two minutes are up. At this time, your microphone will be muted to comply with city rules and to maintain hearing decorum. Directors shall refrain from entering into discussions with speakers during public comment. If members of the public wish to receive a response from TIDA staff, please email tida at sfgov.org and a TIDA staff member will follow up. Item number one, call to order and roll call. Director Sen. Here. Director Dunlop. Director Richardson. Here. Director Breston. Here. Director Howard. Here. Director Azim. Director Rafe. Supervisor Dorsey. We have a quorum. Thank you so much, and thank you all for attending today. Um, I believe this is the last meeting that we will have remote public comment. Um, we've had that during the pandemic because we were online, um, but since we've opened up for live, um, live meetings, uh, we will not be doing the remote um, phone calls in. So I um, just wanted to let people know about that. Um, so thank you very much for being here. That's, um, and given the fact that we started late, that's um, asking the board to be concise with their questions and comments so we can get through a very long agenda today. Thank you. Next item, please. Item number two, general public comment. This item is to allow members of the public to address the Treasure Island Development Authority Board on matters that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the Authority Board and that do not appear on today's agenda. In addition to general public comment, public comment will be held during each item on the agenda. Any members of the public who wish to speak on this item in person, please line up now. Those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. The access code is 2662-688. 6482. Are there anybody in the audience who would like to address the board during this public comment period? Is there anybody on the phone? We have one caller on the line. Okay, we'll open it up. Caller, you may begin your comment. Hello, I was just wanting to inquire about the construction meeting 
and is also the community meetings, is it possible? And I guess now the board of director meetings, is it possible to get the recording or the notes maybe posted on essence.gov? And also are the construction meetings gonna be in person as well? Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, Mr. Beck, did you want to say anything? Um, well, the title board meetings are uh, uh, available on SFGov TV for viewing. Um, the uh, community meetings that we do with One Treasure Island, um, the virtual meetings are typically captured on Zoom. Um, we are having conversation about returning those meetings to in-person meetings or potentially alternating between in-person meetings and remote meetings next year. And as far as the construction update meetings, uh, don't have a current schedule for the resumption of those meetings, uh, but probably when we see an uptick in stage two construction, we'll, we'll resume those. Okay, thank you. Okay, so we can go on to the next item, please. Item number three, report by Treasure Island Director. Thank you, directors. Um, I'd like to begin by inviting Nella Gonsalves to uh, give us an update uh, from One Treasure Island. Good afternoon, directors. Nella Gonsalves, co-executive director for One Treasure Island. Uh, my program report is in your packet, but there are a few things I'd like to highlight. We're gearing up for the holidays to provide supplemental food to the island residents. Um, extra fixings for Thanksgiving and either a turkey or ham in the December holiday. We're seeing about 160 households a week come through the pantry and we're excited to hopefully be partnering with PCL to get even more resources uh, for the island residents uh, during the holiday season. Um, our construction training graduation, we're very uh, happy to report we had 10 graduates and nine are working on the island. So that's very exciting for us. We're recruiting for uh, the 17th cohort, uh, which will begin in January. And um, we're also gearing up to operate the 2023 tax season and we'll begin preparing taxes in January. We continue with outreach through social media. What I'd like to highlight is that we're partnering with ARWS Catholic Charities and Mercy to outreach to the Treasure Island community on housing opportunities in the Starview Court housing development. And so we've sent out notices through our mass texting program. We've posted on community boards, flyers and bags to get folks both in Catholic Charities and market rate residents interested in moving to the new development and we're also partnering with MOHCD and OEWD for their neighborhood community listening forums and there will be a forum on Treasure Island and we are outreaching that to island residents. Uh, we held our community meeting on October 18th and it was combined with the SFPD community meeting. It was fairly well attended. There were about 33 uh, individuals who attended that meeting and we will continue to partner uh, multiple times a year with SFPD in person um, for those meetings. We hosted our big Halloween event again. It was a hit. Uh, partnering with the Y, the Parent Council, Catholic Charities, Home Rise, Tida Staff, Merced, and other businesses. We had over 200 people that attended it, and we were very excited because we had about 100 adults and about 100 youth, and the adults were dressed up. So uh, it was very nice to see families come out in costume as a whole. And again, thank you to LaShondra and the Parent Council. They're awesome partners uh, in putting on that event every year. 
Uh, uh, lastly, we're planning holiday celebrations on the 21st of November at the Ship Shape. There'll be a pie raffle and activities for families and children. And then uh, there'll be a hard holiday party on December 19th with the ham and turkey giveaway holiday bingo. And so we're excited to bring that to the community. And we are working on bringing NERT, Neighborhood Emergency Training, to Treasure Island. We actually have uh, a NERT training on the island for the first time in about 10 plus years. It will be January 6th and January 13th. It's free to all island residents. And we're really excited uh, to start rolling out emergency prep. And that concludes my report. Thank you. So are there any, oh. we can wait until the yeah, end of the I report. just have a few, yeah. few additional items. Um, we have a new commercial tenant, uh, Padel, um, which did a soft opening of new facilities in Hangar 3. They provide um, pickleball and uh, a similar sport called Padel uh, courts and uh, We'll be having an update on, on their opening at the December on Island board meeting. Um, on the uh, planning for Starview Court occupancy, uh, the first uh, 11 volunteering households uh, for Starview Court uh, completed their initial uh, uh, interview process or discussions with Mercy Housing and received their unit assignment notices. Um, ARWS, our TI advisors are communicating with additional volunteers and we plan to begin issuing uh, initial notices to move uh, for any remaining transition units in January based on the legacy household rankings. Um, leasing staff uh, continues to be busy with annual lease renewals. On the uh, SBE front, um, Titus staff are currently reviewing the SBE procedures and reporting forms, uh, creating spreadsheet versions of some of the forms to simplify reporting and um, eliminate duplicative data entry. Um, also having conversations with the city's contract monitoring division uh, about uh, their SBE mentorship program uh, to see uh, what are the the ability of, of those to uh, help with uh, SBEs on Treasure Island as well. Um, we also had two staff from the planning department uh, begin working with us half time uh, to focus on communications, community engagement, and an equity needs assessment. Um, and we plan to bring a preliminary uh, update on that work in March to the title board. Uh, and that concludes my report. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, I'll open it up to the board and then to the public. Yes, are there any questions from the board? Um, Peter, I'm sorry, but I think some of our monitors actually are not on, and I, I don't know if there's a login that is required. Oh, here we go. But there's... Um, yeah, usually we hit a button to say... Yeah. All right. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And then. Okay. Good. I think 
Sorry, thank you very much. Yes. So um, we'll, uh, let's see, Ms. Breston first, your question. Yes. Um, for um, ARWS, will they have information for the programs also, or is it going to be, so if someone was to approach them, hey, I'm with Catholic Charities, will they be able to provide information? They should be able to provide information, but they will also refer them back to Catholic Charities and Mercy for specifics, right? So if it's something like, hey, I want to move you know, another individual on my lease, that would go back to Catholic Charities, right, okay. and Mercy. But if it's a general question, ARWS can answer it. Okay, so that's for Home Rise and Catholic Charities. Yeah. And then for MLCHD, will they be coming out next year also? Will they be coming to the item for regular meetings? I think so. Um, you know, they're doing these community listening forum forums as they're starting to plan for the next fiscal year, what their priorities are going to be. Um, and I know that Treasure Island is on their radar. And so I think um, if we would like them to come out in the future, we could certainly ask them. I think they're open to it. Okay. And will SF Safe be at the next meeting with the police? They were there um, they, at this last meeting. And my understanding is that they come every time. They brought two staff members and we, we met with them. Um, but my understanding is they always go to the SFPD meeting. But we could ask them to come to our community meeting as well. I think well. that would be a good Okay, idea. I will invite them to a, a future community meeting. Um, that was, oh, I heard you guys, um, I read something about you have a job position. Yes, we are very excited to be partnering with Community Living Fund and through their SF Reserve uh, program and we are hiring we're starting with one part-time receptionist for the ship shape we are very very focused on having it be an island resident um, and so we just outreached it yesterday so if you know anyone we're looking for young folks we're looking for you know, you know um, yeah we're also looking for you know folks that are uh, seniors that are able to work okay. so and we're, our goal is to start with one and then bring another one on all right great thank Good. you thank, thank you. you miss Howard yeah, um, I, I think I missed a couple of things. Um, Mr. Beck, in your report, you you kind of went through the, the housing update, and it seems like previously we'd had it on our agenda as a housing update, so I'm just curious. I kind of missed what the what the whole thing was, but that's okay. I'm just, uh, we could bring that up, maybe put that back on the agenda for next time, given that we're coming up on a January um, deadline when notices are going to be given to people. It would be really good to get an update on that. That, that is one of the things that we plan to highlight at the on-island meeting, so. Okay, and the on-island meeting is next month? Yes. Yes. Okay, great. And then, um, and the SBEs, I just, I missed that when you said there's going to be an update next month as well? Um, I said that uh, we're communicating with other city agencies regarding um, their mentorship, uh, SBE mentorship programs to see what we can learn, what we can leverage. Um, as well as we're reviewing uh, our input forms and uh, procedures uh, with an eye particularly on uh, automating the input of data and reducing duplicative data entry so that we can better summarize, sort, and query the data. Right. Um, we, we may have a, a, a meeting uh, update either next month or, or January. Yeah, that's uh, great. Is there a timeline for that um, That data cleanup. I know we mentioned that a couple meetings ago. Just curious on the... 
Um, we don't have a specific deadline, but you know, as soon as we're able to to um, modify the procedures, would be a board action. So, um, if it's just a replacement of what is currently a PDF form with a with a Excel form, uh, then that's something we wouldn't necessarily need to bring to the to the board. But uh, if it's a more substantive change uh, in the way that the materials are formatted, then that's something we would bring to the board for approval. Okay, thank you. Um, but I think we'll hear more about it um, certainly by January, the beginning of the year. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, hearing uh, no other questions from the board, that's uh, anybody from the public would like to address the board. There are no callers on the line. Okay, thank you. Next item, please. Item number four, communications from and received by TIDA. Okay, that's in your packet. Is there any questions on the communications received? None from the board, anybody from the public? There are no callers on the line. All right, next item, please. Item number five, ongoing business by board of directors. Okay, to the board, any comments or questions to the public? There are no callers on the line. Okay, thank you. Next item. Item number six, consent agenda, approving the minutes of the October 11, 2023 meeting. Excuse me, 6A, approving the minutes of the October 11, 2023 meeting. 6B, resolution authorizing the 48th amendment to the land and structures master lease to extend the term. So moved. Okay. Do we have second. a second? second? Okay. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Um, all those opposed, the ayes have it. Go on to the next item, please. Item number seven, review of preliminary official statement related to proposed public financing offerings. Uh, Jamie Krubin, our finance manager, will present this item. Good afternoon, directors. Uh, Jamie Krubin, I'm the finance manager with TIDA. Um, I'm happy to bring forward an informational item this afternoon to review the preliminary official statements related to the proposed public financing offerings. Um, also, since this is a, a bonds-related item and does have disclosure requirements attached to it, I also have um, City Attorney Mark Blake um, here, as well as our outside disclosure counsel, Stepan Hatayan from Norton Rose Fulbright, to answer any questions that may come up related to the bonds. Um, before discussing the preliminary official statement, the bulk of this presentation largely focuses on the background of the Treasure Island financing districts, both the Community Facilities District, as well as the, in, the Infrastructure Revitalization Financing District, what we both refer to as the CFD and the IRFD. These are the two primary sources that will uh, finance the public improvements on Yerba Buena Island and Treasure Island in partnership with our master developer, TICD. Um, in this presentation, I'll first discuss the CFD and IRFD bond issuances that are before the Board of Supervisors' approval in December. I'll provide a history and background on the public financing districts themselves, review the details of the proposed bonds, and finally discuss the preliminary official statement and your duties as board members in that review process. Uh, before the Board of Supervisors in December, and uh, also before the Budget and Finance Committee next week, are two proposed actions. 
the first uh, is a special tax bond approval related to the Community Facilities District, or the CFD, and it's a resolution to approve the issuance of uh, Improvement Area 2 CFD bonds uh, or special tax bonds in a not to exceed amount of $17 million. Uh, the, sec the second action, which has two associated pieces of legislation, are for the approval of the tax increment revenue bonds uh, related to the Infrastructure Revitalization Financing District, or the IRFD, and it is a resolution to authorize the issuance of IRFD tax increment bonds in an amount not to exceed $10 million, and a related ordinance appropriating a portion of those proceeds, $1.4 million, of the tax increment revenue bonds um, that are attached to that broader $10 million not to exceed package. Um, in terms of the timeline and milestones of how we arrived at issuing these bonds, uh, for particularly the, the new board members, um, in the, in the disposition and development agreement uh, has a financing plan attached to it uh, that was approved in June of 2011 that contemplated the formation of two financing districts, the CFD and what became the IRFD. Um, in January of 2017, uh, both districts, the Community Facilities District and the Infrastructure Revitalization Financing District were approved and formed by the Board of Supervisors uh, to facilitate ongoing bond issuances um, in effort to fund the infrastructure and public improvements of the project. Uh, in October of 2020, uh, the city issued the first CFD bond issuance related to improvement area one in the amount of $17,135,000. Million, $17 million uh, in July of 2021, the second CFD issuance uh, was issued um, in approximately $41.3 million. Um, in January of 2022, uh, the first issuance of improvement area number two's CFD bonds were issued in $25.1 million, which was the third overall issuance for the project. Uh, and then in September of 2022, the first IRFD bond issuance, not only for this project, but in the state of California, was issued um, in the amount of $25.4 million. Uh, and before the board this November and December are the two issuances uh, for the CFD at $17 million, which is the fourth CFD issuance overall, and the IRFD bond issuance of $10 million, which is the second IRFD issuance overall. So this item, um, though very detailed, is sort of a standard um, uh, authorization that goes to the Board of Supervisors that it was always contemplated in the financing plan. Uh, the Office of Public Finance, uh, which is within the Controller's Office, uh, intends to issue both the CFD and IRFD bonds in December, um, with a possible closing as early as late December or early January of next year. Um, in terms of an, an overview uh, of the Community Facilities District or the CFD, it's just a reminder for, these, for um, this board that the CFD is a supplemental special tax um, that is levied on uh, property based on a, on a gross square footage basis um, based on the type of land use. So this is governed by a document called Rate and Method of Apportionment, which uh, states what these taxes are. 
Um, they are eligible to fund infrastructure that is, has a useful life of five years or more that's pursuant to Melarus law or CFD law at the state level. Um, the plan of finance for the proceeds um, from the special tax bonds is to reimburse uh, Treasure Island Community Development, or TICD, for eligible public infrastructure costs. It also funds a capital reserve for sea level rise adaptations, um, serves as an ongoing stream uh, to fund maintenance on TIDA facilities, parks, and open space, as well as pay for administrative costs related to the CFD district itself. Um, the CFD cannot be used uh, to fund affordable housing, though the other district, the IRFD, can. Um, and uh, we are creating multiple improvement areas under the CFD, uh, which is why the bonds that are before you today are related to improvement area number two. Um, in terms of a geographic outlook of what the CFD covers, so if you look at the gray area in the uh, map on slide five, that represents the total boundary of what the community facilities district entails. Uh, when we first uh, formed the CFD back in 2017, um, it included uh, improvement area number one, which is the circle around the parcels on Yerba Buena Island. Uh, since then, there have been two subsequent improvement areas that have been annexed into the CFD. Um, which on Treasure Island around that red box represents the red parcels related to improvement area number two and the green parcels related to improvement area number three. Uh, the bonds that are before you today are, uh, are specifically tied to improvement area number two, which consists of five development parcels, B1, C2.2, C2.3, C2.4, and C3.4. Shifting over to um, some background on the IRFD, it's a very uh, busy chart over there to the right of the slide, so I will try to make this as simple as possible. Um, as part of the creation of the IRFD, the city pledged a portion of the 1% ad valorem taxes um, to the IRFD. It's very similar to redevelopment uh, tax increment, um, so, uh, but through the IRFD law, uh, enables the project to capture a portion of the 1% ad valorem taxes that are generated as a result of the project. 56.6%, um, or what we call the net available increment, is what is made available directly to the project. So that's 56.6% of the 1%. Um, within that 56.6%, which represents the top two blue boxes in the chart, are split between an 82.5% share that is um, slated to reimburse eligible developer expenses, or what we call facilities costs. And the remaining 17.5% is um, to provide funding for affordable housing specifically. Um, and that's what we call the housing portion of the IRFD. There is a remaining 8% um, piece of this 1%, um, which is uh, called the city conditional increment portion. Um, and it's ta property tax increment that is pledged to the IRFD in the form of additional debt service coverage. So it is there in the case that for whatever reason, the taxes um, are not collected or not, are not collected to projections. 
that 8% serves as sort of additional buffer uh, in case property taxes um, don't come to full fruition. If that is not needed for additional debt service coverage, it returns to the general fund each year um, since it's not needed to cover shortfalls due to declines in assessed value. Uh, this is a map of the Treasure Island IRFD. Uh, it covers a very similar, um, similar kind of geographic region as the improvement areas one through three of the CFD. Um, however, under IRFD law, uh, they are created um, boundaries in the form of project areas. So you'll see project areas A through E um, are all of the various colors in the legend. Um, those are, um, that is the entire scope of what is included in the IRFD district. So uh, the IRFD bonds proposed today capture all of the additional tax increment collected within these project areas. As the development continues and additional parcels are annexed or added into these districts, they are then um, collected additional tax increment that will be used to leverage for future IRFD bonds. In terms of the use of proceeds for both the CFD and IRFD bonds um, that are before you and before the board for approval, um, the CFD bonds are about $11.8 million worth of project proceeds are expected to reimburse the developer for qualified project costs, um, specifically related to the, the costs of permitting and asset acceptance, as well as certain pre-development and entitlement costs that were attributable, attributable to the project and to the public infrastructure. On the IRFD bond side, the proceeds again are split by that 82.5% and that 17.5% allocation. So for the facilities component, about $5.8 million is expected to be generated from this bond. Um, it, will, it is anticipated to reimburse uh, qualified project costs, specifically geotechnical work that's been conducted um, and attributable to the public infrastructure. The housing component is expected to generate approximately $1.23 million. And it's a planned source for affordable housing loan uh, to support pre-development work on the Treasure Island IC 4.3 project, which is um, anticipated to be 150 units of affordable housing constructed by a John Stewart company and Catholic Charities. <clears throat> and that is uh, scheduled to commence in November of 2026 with an expectation of completion in June of 2028. Uh, the bonds also uh, separately and independently um, uh, fund a debt service reserve fund, and that is to contribute to a reserve fund that is um, sized at equal to the maximum amount of annual debt service um, on the combined outstanding bonds. So this is just an additional reserve um, uh, that serves as a backstop uh, to, to pay debt service in the case that um, funds are not available. Um, lastly, uh, the bond proceeds also contribute to financing costs related to the formation of both districts, but also um, go to pay for city administrative fees, legal fees, advisory fees, and the underwriter's discount. Um, in terms of the bond structure and limitation of the, both the CFDs and the IRFDs, um, so first with the CFDs, 
Um, these are, again, special taxes that are levied on properties within the improvement area number two, which are governed by a document called the Rate and Method of Apportionment, or the RMA, um, which, um, which uh, states what the actual uh, taxes are per the um, taxable square footage within improvement area number two. The bonds that will be issued are secured by a pledge of those special taxes within improvement area number two. Um, the, the aggregate annual debt service coverage is 110%, meaning we tax at 110% of the debt service that we anticipate um, paying. So there is a 10% buffer um, as a kind of another risk mitigation factor. Uh, the debt service escalates at 2% a year. Um, that's, um, that is in alignment with the RMA um, and CFD law. Um, specific to this bond is we've created an additional special tax reserve uh, that will, will be available to pay debt service on bonds until a certain release test has been satisfied, um, which is expected to be tied to the commencement of construction for subblock B1. Um, because uh, the subblock B1 has, uh, has a building permit, it does have taxes that are levied on it, but it has not actually commenced construction. So as a way of kind of mitigating the risk that a project hasn't moved forward in full construction, um, it was um, a recommendation by the controller's office and our underwriters to create an additional reserve specifically sized uh, to the debt service that's tied to B1. Um, on the IRFD bonds, um, these are sized uh, to leverage the net available increment that's been collected to date. Um, a kind of conservative assumption is that there is no assumption of AV growth, so it's a 0% growth in a level debt service structure, um, and it does not anticipate any new growth um, on the assessed value roll, even though it's, it's very likely that that growth will, um, will, will come to fruition. Um, the bonds are secured by a pledge tax increment available in the facilities bonds and the housing bonds. And similarly, uh, the annual debt service coverage is 125%. Um, so there's a 25% coverage ratio on these specific bonds, given that they're tied uh, to, to potential growth uh, in assessed value. Um, on slide 10, uh, the, the CFD improvement area number two gives you a, an overview of the five development um, parcels that are subject to special taxes today, and these are payable uh, to the debt service on the CFD bonds. As I mentioned, the five parcels are B1, C2.2, C2.4, C3.4, and C2.3. Um, the bonds are sized and structured based on the developed property, so that's the top four parcels you see in the table. Um, C2.3, which is a vertical DDA property means that it's been sold to a vertical developer but has not yet received a building permit. So for purposes of, of trying to structure the bonds uh, with the expectation of special taxes coming um, as a result of kind of projects that are continuing on construction, it was a recommendation to structure the bonds around just the developed property. So um, that is a, that's how the the $10 million is, sorry, $17 million not to exceed amount is structured. 
Um, the table on uh, slide 11 is a uh, pursuant to city policy. So CFD bonds must achieve a, what we call a value to lien ratio of three to one. So this means that at no point should the appraised value of the properties be less than three times the amount of total debt service um, on those respective parcels. Uh, three to one value to lien is um, pursuant to the citywide policy, but also is uh, pretty consistent with land secured bonds like the CFD. So if you were to take a look at the appraised value column, that 219.9 million um, should be at least three times high, or three times as much as the allocated bond column of the 39.9 million, and in this case, it's 5.5. So we meet that three to one value to lien requirement um, by quite a bit of a margin. Uh, slide 12 gives you a snapshot of what the historical tax increment under the IRFD has been across all active project areas. Um, it shows you that today the, uh, the IRFD as a district is collecting or has collected um, over 3.6 million attribute, attributable to pay back the facilities bonds, um, as well as approximately $780,000 attributable to pay back the housing bonds. Um, the way we size the IRFD bonds is that this proposed issuance as well as prior issuances cannot uh, surpass the total column, which is the 4.4 uh, million. And the additional 8% increment is what you see as the 600, approximately $630,000. Uh, in terms of risk factors on both of these bond issuances, um, the proposed CFD and IRFD bonds will be sold without a rating. Uh, so they're non-rated bonds, um, which is typical to early stage uh, land secured debt. Um, the risk factors are further discussed and delineated in the preliminary official statement um, on, under the special risk factors and the risk factors section in both respective um, documents, which you, the page numbers here are for your reference. Um, the unique real estate risks associated with non-rated bonds um, are further discussed in this document, uh, but to highlight here, um, particularly with the CFD, any adverse changes in local market conditions impact future development, as well as the, the likelihood of, of um, property owners paying their special taxes. Um, for the IRFD, there could always be a reduction in the tax base that could that could impact the ongoing assessed values, so that is a risk. Um, also, the concentration of property owners, um, and which really relates to the time frame it takes a developer to build a project. So um, if a developer is still building a, in, in, the, in the process of constructing a project, they are the single, on, the single only taxpayer um, on those bonds. If they were to complete that construction project and then sell those condominiums to 100 different property owners, that then decentralizes the risk across one property owner to 100 property owners. And so that's the highlight um, of the concentration um, of property ownership. And then, of course, there is always a risk that the projects do not proceed um, according to plan. 
Um, there's also citywide and region-wide risks that are um, also discussed in the preliminary official statement related to COVID-19, seismic risks, and sea level rise. Um, one thing to note is that these bonds are limited obligations to the city, meaning that the general fund of the city is not liable to pay for the debt service on these bonds, and the city's credit is not pledged to the payment of these bonds. So this simply means that all the revenues generated from the CFD pay CFD bonds, all revenues generated within the IRFD are obligated to pay the IRFD bonds, and the city is legally not on the hook. Um, for the CFD bonds, um, there is a covenant that in the case that certain property owners do not pay um, their special taxes, um, they, that we can commence judicial foreclosure proceedings um, on those delinquent properties to then recoup the taxes that are due. The IRFD increment being ad valorem taxes can, are subject to the, the same property tax lien requirements. Uh, so before I turn it over um, to discuss the, um, the actual uh, questions you may have related to the bonds, um, and before I turn it over to any questions you have for counsel, I wanted to briefly touch on the documents that are in your packet before you. You have two copies of a preliminary official statement. One is tied to the CFD bonds, and the other is tied to the IRFD bonds. Um, the reason why we're bringing forward you this very detailed item <laughs> to the board is that uh, board members and you as board directors uh, of the TIDA board have a responsibility under federal securities law to ensure that staff is aware of the information that you as board members and board of directors have um, that's unique to your capacity as directors that could have a material bearing on the capacity for these districts to repay the bonds. Uh, the Board of Supervisors as the governing body of the CFD and IRFD approves the issuance of the bonds, which is why this is an informational item only for this title board. The Board of Supervisors as governing body technically approves the issuance. Um, but we wanted to highlight that the reason we're presenting this item is um, the role and, in, and intent of review by the title board is to confirm that none of the content that's provided in these documents um, are misleading to potential investors and relevant information is not withheld from potential investors. Um, in the preliminary official statement, it discusses um, information that's important to prospective buyers, like the terms of the bonds, the sources of repayment, and the security of the bonds. Any information around the CFD and the IRFD and its operations and financial ability to pay the debt service on the bonds, and of course, risk factors related to prospective buyers. Um, prior to the distribution of this version um, of the preliminary official statement, uh, Titus staff, as well as Disclosure Council, um, the city's professional advisors um, have all had a chance to review this version and provide the most current material financial information and other information available. Uh, to help you piece through the many hundreds of pages before you, <laughs> We uh, have included an Exhibit A, which is a letter that's prepared by the City Attorney's Office, as well as our Outside Disclosure Council, Noten Rose Fulbright, which summarize the securities law disclosure responsibilities that you as TIDA board members have um, in your review of this preliminary official statement. Uh, exhibit B and Exhibit C, uh, before you also include in your packet, are FAQs um, that 
are, uh, was put together by TIDA staff um, as well as um, council to help you sort of navigate the certain questions that you as members should be asking yourself as you review this document. So you'll see that there is a question related to what are the securities of these bonds? The FAQs will point you to the specific section in the preliminary official statement sort of as an annotated guide to help you um, review this pretty dense document. And then of course, Exhibit D and Exhibit E are the forms of the documents themselves. Um, some of the example questions that uh, tied to board members should be asking um, yourself in your review of, this, of these um, documents is, do you have any knowledge of any other events that could affect the de deliberations of a reasonable investment investor? Um, have certain risks and events been brought to your attention by staff, council, or other professionals? Um, have such risks and events been disclosed in this document? Have you seen any red flags in this document that should be brought to the attention of Titus staff, city attorney, um, or that you as a board member would like additional information on? Um, does the city have written disclosure controls and procedures? Uh, do you have a reasonable basis to believe in the integrity and competence of financial um, professionals? And do you know of anything that could cause you to question the accuracy of this disclosure um, that would indicate there is risk um, that the disclosures may be misleading? And so a lot of these questions are in those exhibits um, and those FAQs, so it'll help you as a board member um, search for the information in the documents that will help answer those questions. Uh, before I turn it over for council or open to questions, just wanted to remind the title board of the timeline um, of review of the preliminary official statement as it relates to the, the pricing um, timeline with the city. Uh, so we are presenting this draft to you today. Um, as I mentioned, the Budget and Finance Committee has also been reviewing these documents. Um, it's for their approval the next Wednesday's Budget and Finance Committee at the full board. Um, the Board of Supervisors uh, is scheduled to hear the item for the, f for the final approval on the 21st. Um, we ask that if there's any edits, any questions um, that you'd like to highlight to bring to our attention as tied to staff by the 22nd. Um, and that will allow us to make any amendments or edits um, the week of November 27th, which I know is um, right after the holiday. Um, in effort to notice the market in mid-December. So we really the drop-dead deadline is when we intend to notice the market of our intention to sell the bonds in mid-December is when we would absolutely need to know if there's any additional um, questions or additions to the d disclosure uh, documents. And I will conclude my presentation there and, and happy to answer any questions. Great. Thank you, thank you, Jamie, for that. Um, you know, these these documents are certainly very complicated, and certainly to the layperson. So we do have to rely on our staff, the competence and of, of the staff, and the accuracy is really um, for for staff to inform us. You know that that this is the correct procedure. And um, I just want to say I remember when you first came uh, to be our CFO, and I am so glad that you are here. It gives me great comfort that, Jamie, you are leading the staff on 
these reviews. So thank you very much for that. Thank you. Um, um, I, I just want to be clear, though, on as far as the action that is needed by this board, there's um, the, the this will be approved by the Board of Supervisors. But um, we don't have to take a public action on it. Uh, our only responsibility is to alert you if there are any discrepancies um, that we can see in the documents that are being presented. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, all right. So, yes, so I'm going to leave, uh, open it up to board members and I have some other questions as well. Ms. Richardson. Okay, so thank you so much, um, Jamie, for that uh, comprehensive uh, presentation. And for me, having been one of the commissioners that were here uh, in September of 2022, I'm very comfortable with the documents that you have all provided. And the takeaway about this bond issue for the public and for people that are, might be listening now or whatever, is that one of the nagging issues in the state of California, in fact, throughout the country, is the financing of projects, and especially public-private partnership. And we know that the cities know entity, government entity, can develop this massive project by themselves. So there needs to be public-private partnership. And here we are again with the nagging problems of financing in the state. The city of San Francisco and the state of California are looking to Treasure Island for the infrastructure and revitalization financing district. We are the only one, the first one, what's in September, and so there is all these inquiries that are going on throughout the state. For me, IRFD is another innovative tool for us to be able to utilize why the powers that be are still uh, Okay, can you hear? And the screen is not, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, so what I was trying to say here is that the state of California and the city of San Francisco are looking at Treasure Island development for the infrastructure and revitalization financing district while they're still trying to figure out the overall uh, financing for projects. And the fact that the city of County of San Francisco are now entertaining a second version which is basically what you're talking about today with your comprehensive analysis, well-documented, is a testament that this is going to be a formal type of financing that the city is gonna be taking and others are going to emulate. I said I'm comfortable with this because of the provisions of the IRFD, basically. It allows reimbursement for infrastructure projects to the developer. So now developers are gonna come forward now and say yes, if we implement RFD, not just this is happening, and then we also have a dedicated amount for affordable housing, which is a win-win situation. And I like the reserve uh, funds for the 8% of the 1% for the guarantee of the debt servicing if all hell something happened. So all those measures are built in. And lastly, I was very impressed again about the forward-looking scenarios, uh, whether they are any kinds of bond measures, rated or no, or rated, are going to be encumbered by 
the economic conditions and the uncertainties that we know can happen, but all those are built in. So this, this is wonderful, and I know it's an information only for us, but I think that um, absolutely from what I've read then and now, the consistency, I think at the Board of Supervisors, even though the city credit rating and the general fund will not be involved, however, the city integrity is a factor here also, improving performances, and the fact that the Board of Supervisors are going to be comfortable moving this along, again, it's an indicator that um, this is definitely uh, what others are looking to emulate. And again, thanks for your excellent presentation. Thank you. Ms. Howard. Yeah, I just had a couple of clarifications and, and forgive me for being um, some dumb questions. I'm just wondering if they're both for the CFD and the IFRD, there's eligible developer public, I mean, there's eligible costs. I'm just wondering what an example of that would be for like the CFD. So uh, the CFD um, has actually a, a wide range of eligible costs that were um, codified when the actual district was formed back in 2017, um, and happy to share that with you. But um, it's essentially all public infrastructure that the developer initially finances. So that could be um, soft costs related to um, you know, pre-development costs, as, as I was mentioning, um, architect and engineering costs, but also direct hard costs, so physically um, doing the geotechnical work or building a street. So because all of those, uh, that scope of work is tied to the delivery of public infrastructure, both on a so soft cost and a hard cost basis, that is all eligible for reimbursement uh, by the CFD. Um, similarly for the IRFD, um, it's the same, a very similar sa scope of work that is eligible to be um, reimbursed by IRFD dollars. Um, the, the one, uh, the one uh, state law provision is that the work has to be complete. So um, we have to wait until a full scope of work is done for those public infrastructure um, projects, and then that can be then reimbursed by the IRFD. Uh, but generally, both um, kind of cover the same scope of work, and they're related to um, uh, public infrastructure that is long-term, so uh, capital costs versus, um, for example, operating costs are not um, eligible for reimbursement. Great. Yeah, I'd love to, to see that list. And then sure. one other quick question. Does the value-to-lean ratio to 3 to 1, it looks like two of those blocks didn't meet the 3 to 1, but on average, so are we averaging these... It's okay to average the... That is correct. Okay. Yeah, so the, uh, the entire tax base um, within an improvement area, in this case covering all five parcels, is what is tested to meet the average value to lien. Um, you know, however, we do look at it on a parcel-by-parcel -parcel basis, and which is um, yeah, part of the reason why we're only leveraging against the developable property, developed property, um, is to really um, tie to projects that are in active construction. Cool. Yeah, well, great. I know what I'm going to do this week, and then I'm going to read the um, <laughs> 150 <laughs> pages of the preliminary. Some, some light disclosure <laughs> reading. It was yes. good, good reading. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, I, I have another question sure. for you, um, Jamie. And, and it is actually a question about risk 
to the city and risk to the Treasure Island Development Authority. I know that you cover risk because it's you're trying to sell bonds, and certainly you have to delineate the risk. But um, we all know that real estate goes up and down. And in fact, the real estate market, particularly for, for this area, Northern California, has been very uh, difficult for many developers to make projects work. Um, you know, there was COVID, there's interest rate hikes, uh, there's, there's rising construction costs, um, there's uh, material shortages. There's been a lot of um, different uh, problems and obstacles that um, have presented itself in the real estate side. We are basing the tax increment, we're basing the bonds on the premise that we're going to get taxes, property taxes, from the projects that are successful. Um, and, and so I'd like to ask again, and I think you've discussed some of it, but to be very clear as to how are we as a city being protected if the developers are not able to do the developments because of real estate market conditions, um, we're not able to get the tax revenues. And I understand that you've got a debt service reserve mm -hmm. that has been set aside. Um, but then um, how are we protected? Um, and I think that would be something that would be useful. I can, <laughs> I can to speak to um, sort of the risks uh, related to the, the bonds themselves. Um, and I can, um, I can also try and, and talk about the risk to the city um, as, as a related credit entity. So not, again, not tied to the exact credit to these bonds, but um, the fact that they do have San Francisco associated with them. Um, and then if there's any other um, additional items that city attorney or disclosure council want to add, I'm just looking at them in case I miss anything. Um, so related to the CFD bonds um, specifically, so... Uh, the reason why we only levy on buildings that have achieved um, building permit and are more or less in active construction is that we know that those projects, um, we have seen those projects um, move forward in terms of their development, and there is a, there is a construction uh, completion date, right, that we are aware of. And so... Um, it, we, in, in some ways, the timing of when we issue CFD bonds and when we collect the special taxes are tied to sort of the confidence level, more or less, in that project reaching completion and therefore selling those parcels or renting those, those units um, to, to, uh, to, to actually, you know, property owners. Um, and so uh, from the CFD standpoint, it's really about timing and not issuing bonds on the prospective um, nature or speculative nature of projects that are to be completed. It's really projects that either are completed or are very nearly completed. Um, for the IRFD, uh, it's in some ways a, a, a slightly different way of looking at um, the credit in that we only capture assessed valuation that is observed on the roll. And so we issue bonds sized uh, only on tax increment that has already been collected. Um, and so that is a way to mitigate any risk of us, again, speculatively thinking that new property is going to be built and therefore new taxes are coming on the roll. So we don't 
we don't do that um, in terms of, of um, sizing the bonds. Um, one risk to that is if, for whatever reason, property assessments are appealed or property values drop, that is the risk that the bonds are exposed to, which is why we have certain coverage ratios and we don't assume a growth in value over time. Um, you are correct in that uh, the bonds are secured solely by the revenues within each respective district, but there could be somewhat of an associated risk to the city and county um, from a credit standpoint. Um, you know, it's possible that if there were issues with the CFD and the IRFD San Francisco credit, it could impact the city's um, credit as well, but that would be more of a maybe a headline risk than an actual legal risk. Um, and then in terms of uh, how the project is protected, uh, so the, um, you know, the reason why we're very conservative, I think, in sizing these bonds and we're very um, detailed in the disclosure of what a real estate project like this entails uh, is that uh, we want investors to be very aware uh, that, that this is an ongoing multi-phased project um, of which a certain number of units and parcels are complete and there is a prospective amount of others that are to be completed. Um, and it, it is really um, in the disclosure documents to be able to inform those prospective investors that that's the risk that they are taking on is buying a non-rated um, real estate related credit. Um, and you know, we're very, as a, as a financing team, including TIDA, the Controller's Office of Public Finance, as well as City Attorney and Disclosure Council and Bond Council, are very aware that, especially early on in projects, when you're issuing bonds in early phases, that you want to be as conservative and protective of a potential default, because if we were to experience a bond default early in the project, that would impact the, oh, the, rest. The, the rest of the phases and the, the investors who would be potentially buying future phases of bonds. And so um, I think simply put, the risk is always there. Um, but being, being uh, conservative and um, mindful of that risk, especially as we issue bonds early in the project phases, is always top of mind. Thank you. Thank you for that yeah, comprehensive yeah, answer. Yeah, Give your yeah, it's good to hear. The city attorney is here to answer it. <laughs> this is a, yeah, my name is Mark Blake, deputy city attorney. Jamie did an excellent job. There's really no reason for me to be here. But I, <laughs> I, I did want to say a couple of things. So one, um, in terms of reviewing the, official, the uh, preliminary official statements for both the CFD bonds and the IFD bonds, you don't need to necessarily read the document cover by cover, but I think your obligation is to peruse the document for those matters that, insofar as the Treasure Island's concerned, the development, keep you up at night and, and spot check where we've addressed those in the documents to make sure that they comport with your you know, understanding. And then if they don't, if they misstate or there's a subtlety that you'd like to get across, just reach out to Jamie or the city attorney's office and bring that to our attention. So that's the first thing. So, under the securities laws, we're not necessarily subject to uh, uh, direct regulation by the Securities and Exchange Commission, but, but we are subject to the anti-fraud provisions of the Security Exchange Commission of the uh, securities laws. And what that means is that we can't release 
uh, documents, I mean, uh, preliminary official statements, offering documents to the investing public that contain material misstatements or omissions. And what the SEC will do in the event that, you know, our document was challenged in any way, will test not only the substance of what we did, but also the process. And so your role at some level is process-oriented. So the document's been presented to you. You're viewed as gatekeepers as far as the SEC is concerned. And so to the extent that you, you know, there are hot-button issues insofar as the development is concerned, they expect, at least you and your capacity as board members, to take a look at the document and make sure that it squares with your understanding of things. So big, big issues, uh, you know, nature of the development, litigation, condition of Treasure Island, those types of things, uh, they would expect that if you had knowledge that it was different than what we were presenting, that you would bring that to our attention so that we could correct it. So uh, otherwise, I don't have anything Thank else you. to say. Sure. Commissioner. Um, yes, Linda, yes. go ahead. Thank you, um, Mr. Play. And like September 2022, when the first um, IRFD was presented, we went through an exhaustive process. And I mentioned in my presentation earlier in my comments about the forward-looking scenarios are very comprehensive. In the document, I could see that every potential nagging issue that could arise are well are documented. And although disclosures are going to be uh, disclosed to the, you know, bond investors. Right. Exactly. And lastly, like I said before, that the Board of Supervisors, yeah, the, you know, governance and the city liability, the fact that this is the second one, that they are, it seems like the San Francisco process, the bond review, the bond cancel, and the public process that we are entertaining here are going to be, at least, withstand any kinds of, um, you know, scrutiny about that. So thank you, sir. Okay. Um, I, I have a small technical question, which I would just like to ask. Um, and that has to do with the, um, the apportionment of the um, tax, the net available increment, um, I guess 64.559% goes to um, the the RF, RF, I'm sorry IRFD facilities and to the housing as well as the city increment that is pledged for the bond debt service coverage, um, but about 33% goes to the um, educational revenue augmentation fund and to the SFU. You know, it would be the um, Unified School District. Mm -hmm. Is that um, something which is by state requirement? Is it something that has been decided by the Board of Supervisors? What governs the um, amount that it goes to um, our project and, and the amount that goes to the school district. In that's a that's a great question, uh, Director. The um, so of the one percent that flows to um, through this ad valorem tax, um, typically um, the the bottom uh, uh, boxes, as you were mentioning, the the education revenue augmentation fund, the SFUSD community college district. Those are um, obligated apportionments that go to. 
um, special taxing entities. So um, in, any, in any case, those would already be apportioned for those specific purposes. Uh, to your question, I think ERAF is a requirement from a state, state yeah. allocation. I think that's right. And um, SFUSD, Community College District, BART, those are both regional and local um, taxing entities. So those are uh, already taken out of the, the 1%. Um, typically, if, if this IRFD, for example, did not exist, the 64 cents to every $1 of ad valorem tax mm -hmm. would flow to the general fund. Oh. And so um, the, by the creation of the IRFD, it was redirecting that 64 cents for purposes of this project. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to, <laughs> to note that the SFUSD, the school district, is getting some benefit from the bonds that are being created at Treasure Island. Yes. We'll remind them of that. <laughs> um, will we open it up to the public, please? Are there anybody on, on the no phone? We have no callers on the line. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for your presentation today. Very, very um, informative. Okay. Next item, please. Item number eight, resolution of acceptance of the ferry terminal improvements on Treasure Island and associated actions, including to, one, dedicate such improvements for public use and to accept such improvements for maintenance and liability purposes, and two, recommend to the Board of Supervisors they acknowledge the authority's acceptance of such improvements, and three, adopt environmental findings. And uh, Joey Benassini uh, joined us in September uh, as our vertical development project manager, and he'll present on this item. Oh, and uh, he's, he, uh, as I mentioned, joined us in September, has a background um, in civil and structural engineering, um, as with a focus on, on multifamily and mixed-use development, so. Well, um, welcome, Julie. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll look forward to getting to know you better. I think this is your first presentation before the board. Correct. Yeah, so glad you're here. Yeah. Go ahead. Thanks for the uh, introduction, uh, Director. <laughs> and it's a pleasure to be here in front of you all today uh, to give this presentation as well, so. I'll be presenting on the ferry terminal improvements, just a brief presentation on um, what's actually included in that, in that term and um, uh, the associated action that we anticipate to take today. It's just an image of our small ferry boat there um, taking off from Treasure Island. Um, and yeah, let's just dive right in. So uh, a brief overview of what we'll be talking about today is the acceptance process. Um, just an overview of the cost of improvements and maintenance and ongoing uh, operations for the uh, ferry terminal improvements and also just talk about um, a couple modifications just clarifications on the resolution for today which i'll walk through at the end of this and before any action is taken and on the right there is just a map of the project location it's right outside of um, building one the um, you know, former or um, uh, the first building right when you get onto Treasure Island. Um, so the first figure there is just uh, a map of the improvements, the long, and this is a plan view, so the, the, the long um, 
uh, circled item there is the breakwater, um, which functions to um, essentially mitigate the waves and disruption to the ferry terminal itself, which is highlighted to the, the south of that um, with the red dashed line. Um, this is a photo of the ferry terminal. Uh, the three main components are the pier, which is like a concrete structure with some precast panels and a steel overhang um, with like a glass railing as well uh, on the side. And the gangway is just an aluminum walkway between the pier and the float, which is where you actually board the ferry. Um, and that's steel construction um, and is essentially floating in the water and tethered to some guideposts uh, where it moves with the tides. And then that's a photo of the breakwater um, and a section through it. It's concrete construction, uh, essentially like a concrete wall with um, some support piers or piles um, that go back into the foundation um, and tie into the top of it. So you can see a small portion of it hanging out of the, above the water line there. So for the acceptance process, uh, we issued a, Tida issued a notice of completion for the ferry terminal improvements back in May of 2023. Um, and Today we're talking about the acceptance of that, and then after that it'll um, be put in front of the Board of Supervisors for acknowledgement of the TIDA Board's acceptance um, of the improvements for public use and maintenance and liability purposes. Um, and then if it, uh, you know, once it passes the Board of Supervisors, then it goes to the, for mayoral approval and um, will be signed and go into effect in March potentially. So the total improvement costs of the ferry terminal as well as the breakwater was $31.5 million. Um, and it's currently operated by the developer. Uh, they are paying for the ferry and maintenance, um, essentially everything from the ferry door out towards the water, which is the majority of the, the structure. They um, handle maintenance and repairs of that portion of the improvements. Um, and it's assumed that uh, WIDA or the Water Emergency Transportation Authority will assume operation of the ferry in 2025, end of 2025 at the latest. Uh, just have a, a brief diagram there showing uh, TIDA's maintenance responsibilities um, from the ferry door towards the land uh, on the pier as well as the, the breakwater. Um, and so we worked with the port a little bit on the developing a maintenance plan, which is one of the exhibits to the staff report. Um, some regular maintenance activities for the pier by TIDAR, just cleaning the glass um, and pressure washing the, the floor as needed, for example, um, and also checking the door operation. There is some long-term maintenance required uh, that would require a diving inspection by the SF port, which we've discussed with them as a potential option, um, just to observe the concrete breakwater and 
um, check for cracks, anything along those lines at the base. And we reviewed the annual cost uh, with the port as well and within TIDA, and it comes out to an annualized cost of about 15000 per year. And then the, the licensee, which is currently the developer and anticipated to be WIDA in the future, um, they handle the maintenance of the, the water side improvements, um, such as maintaining the float, um, any damage to that from the ferry if it bumps into it, um, replacing the anodes on the steel, which help, uh, I guess, mitigate corrosion on the ferry structure or ferry pier and, and uh, float as well. Um, they're responsible for that equipment and some other longer term maintenance like uh, eventually dry docking um, the float itself which takes quite a beating you know over the year over 10 to 20 years um, from the use of the ferry and as i mentioned before uh, before we take action today i'll just have to read through um, the red lines or revisions to the resolution uh, that we have here. Uh, it's pretty brief, um, but the, the main points, it's not very substantive. It's mostly just clarifications, um, acknowledging that uh, when, we no when we issued our notice of completion, um, you know, it was, uh, that completion was basically determined by DBI, the Department of Building Inspection, and not the, the city engineer and also clarifying the language about um, the developer um, entity and their, their warranty obligations. Um, that's, that's all for my presentation. I just want to open it up to your questions. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, I'll open it up to the board. Um, but first of all, I'd like to say it's, it's really quite wonderful that the ferry landing has been completed. It is such an important link uh, from the island to the city. And it's great to see that there's a little ferry that is uh, uh, going back and forth. Um, we'd like to all see it be robustly used by island residents as well as um, people who are visiting. I think that um, it hasn't been quite advertised uh, as much as uh, maybe will be once we've got more uh, activities on the island. Um, uh, th that's one question is, what is the usage of that ferry um, boat, um, if you have that? Another question that I have has to do with, um, have there been any problems, um, repairs that are required that were unexpected um, due to construction defects or just through the normal operations. Um, and um, I see that you've got an annual amount that might be expected for the upkeep. Mm -hmm. um, and where, is, where does that reside in our budget? Um, so those are some questions that I'd like to ask. Got it. Yeah, yeah I, I don't have... Uh figures for the uh, usage currently, but we can look into that. Um, and then in terms of some maintenance items or repairs that have come up recently, um, it, the only ones I'm aware of are like broken uh, glass panels uh, due to um, either vandalism or damage from, I think a rock like blew up during one of the really strong windstorms 
um, and damage the the glass panels that you saw on the ferry pier. So those were being repaired by the the developer um, as it's under the warranty. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, so those and, are the only repairs. And Mr. Beck, maybe you can answer the question as to where Yeah, we, we, we have a facilities maintenance line item in our budget. Um, it's not lined out to specific facilities. Um, I believe in our current budget, it's it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Um, that is within our budget and would be available. And, and then, as Joey highlighted, um, a large portion of the work, uh, a large portion of the maintenance activities would be performed by Public Works, and we have an annual work order with the Bureau of Building Repair within the Department of Public Works. Uh, I believe that that work order currently stands at about $800,000. So uh, those, those costs would fall within those two uh, line items. Thank you. Um, and at one time there was the thought that there would be a terminal, an actual building or um, that was at the end of the landing. Is that on hold now or are we going forward with that? We're looking at the timing of that. Um, you know, probably timing it to an after the, the, the WIDA ferry service has started mm -hmm. and we have a little bit more uh, uh, population on the island and, uh, so, la and larger capacity ferries in operation. Right. And so what is the status of WIDA, which will be the agency that will take over the running of the ferries? Um, and it says here, December of 2025, which is not so far away. Yeah, but, but what's the, the 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 weed of ferry service? They currently operate larger vessels, um, and and so will there will be a, a I think a shift in costs. Um, the current ferry service is being the cost of the, the supporting the current ferry service is being borne by the developer. Uh, to move to the weed of ferry service, we're going to need to have. Uh, either the toll system implemented and that revenue coming to help support the ferry service or an alternative source of public funds to help supplement the ferry service. Well, I, um, I think that we need to have um, a report on where that is, the status of the VEDA at some point um, in, in the new year. Um, I, I, Certainly. Yeah, we, we can we can ask the Tima to, to give an update on that. Right, because 2025 is not far away, and um, we want to make sure that there there will be a ferry that will be operating. We're, not only is there the purchase of the of the ferry itself, the boat itself, um, but then you know the operational costs as well, and who will bear that? Um, that's one of the links with, between the toll. Um, which is contemplated, and the operations of alternative transit, which the ferry is certainly one of them. So um, I wanted to note that. Okay, Ms. Richardson, you have a question? Yes, thank you. Uh, Mancini, your first name? Joey, yeah. Okay, thank you for um, your presentation and uh, welcome aboard to the uh, family here. And so I'm sure we're looking forward to more of your work. Uh, what is great, I think, um, we need to acknowledge the contributions of the uh, private developer for, for stepping up, even in dire economic conditions, and moving forward to committing the funds to build the ferry. 
I think that is a signature that's very uh, important, a testament to the kinds of um, collective agreement that we have to kind of move uh, this project forward. So this resolution is coming after DPW and DBI have done their due diligence and inspections, and they are, by this resolution that we are reading, are certifying that the certificate of occupancy and the improvement and everything are complete. So they feel very comfortable in moving this along. I also, at some point, we need to bring in uh, San Francisco County Transportation Authority. I recently learned that the Bay Area Council and Weeder and SFCTA a couple of weeks ago actually were on Treasure Island and navigating and they are already working for the expansion of the TI Ferry to uh, Chase and there is also an ambitious project to actually extend, I saw the diagram, all the way to the Southern Basin, and they, you know, the major developments around the shipyard, all to the India Basin. So something is already happening along that line. And as Commissioner Page said before, what we need to do is actually the resolution regarding the toll. That is going to be extremely, and hopefully in 2024, we can get a concrete answer uh, from the, you know, TIMA and our Board of Supervisors because the train is moving along. So, yes, this is a milestone that we are and is part of moving uh, this development uh, forward, and I'll be glad to, you know, endorse the resolution. Thank you. Um, yes. Um, Mr. Beck, did you have a comment? Oh, I'm sorry. When uh, directors are, are done... Um, Joey will need to read the proposed uh, edits to the resolution into yes, the well, order. I, I was looking for it, and I actually don't see it's a resolution in front of us. Here. This is the resolution for the um, acceptance of the right of ways on lands on the yeah. Island. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I've got it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Okay. All right. Now so I the the um, uh, just uh, one of one of the changes, as as Joey had, the changes are really fall into two categories. One is the resolution, as initially drafted, referred to uh, uh, notice of completion by um, DBI and by the city engineer uh, with Public Works, and to clarify that it is the. Uh, certificate of occupancy by DBI that we're relying upon. Um, and that was issued back in 2022. The ferry service has been in place since March of 2022. Um, so the facility has been uh, constructed and in use for uh, about a year and a half now. Um, then the second uh, set of edits are um, uh, clarifying the language uh, as it relates to the dedication and acceptance of the improvements for public use. Um, just uh, some changes that the city attorney's office had recommended. Okay, thank you. Um, we're going to take public comment. Have we done that yet? No. So let's do that, and then we can um, have a motion by the board. We have no callers on the line. Okay, thank you. So moved. All right, so it has been moved. Is there a second? 
second. Okay. Um, do we need to have a meeting, Mr. Beck? Yes. Uh, my understanding from the city attorney is that Joey should, um, we should read these uh, edits into the okay. record. So I think we should do that. Go okay. ahead. Yeah, I'll go right ahead. So on, on starting on page two, I'm just going to read the revisions to paragraphs number three and four, starting at line 11 on page two. Uh, so it will now read, whereas Public Works has drafted a Public Works order confirming that one, the Department of Building Inspection, DBI, has inspected the ferry terminal improvements and issued multiple certificates of completion and occupancy, and two, the authority issued a conditional notice of completion dated May 25th, 2023, in which the authority determined the ferry terminal improvements to be complete in substantial conformity with the approved plans, specifications, and applicable city regulations, and determined that the ferry terminal improvements are ready for their intended use. And whereas in the public works order, the interim public works director recommends and the city engineer certifies to the board of supervisors and the authority board that the ferry terminal improvement should be accepted for public use by TIDA and public works further recommends that the board of supervisors acknowledge the authority's acceptance of ownership of the ferry terminal improvements, acknowledge the authority's acceptance of the ferry terminal improvements for maintenance and liability subject to the warranty requirements set forth therein and the TI Series 2's conditional assignment of warranties, uh, assignment of warranties. And I'll stop there. Mm -hmm. And then on page four, um, there are revisions starting at line four to the second paragraph. And that paragraph now reads, Further resolved that the authority board accepts the ferry terminal improvements, dedicates them to public use, and accepts them for maintenance and liability purposes subject to the warranty requirements set forth in the public works order and the assignment of warranties upon satisfaction of the following conditions. One, the execution of the public works order. Two, execution of the final SF planning findings letter. Three, delivery to the authority of the fully executed TI series to offer an assignment and the assignment of warranties for the foregoing items, numbers one through three, all in substantially the, the same form as the drafts filed with the secretary of this board, and five, acknowledgement by the board of supervisors of the authority's actions in this resolution, and be it. Um, and then I'm going to pick up at uh, line 21 of page four for the final paragraph on that page. And that now reads, further resolved that the authority board recommends that the board of supervisors acknowledge the authority's acceptance of the ferry terminal improvements, dedication of them to public use, and acceptance of them for maintenance and liability purposes subject to the warranty requirements set forth in the public works order and the assignment of warranties and the authorities or any of its successors and or assigns rights to exercises, any right of repair, warranty, or guarantee against developer or its affiliate under a separate agreement, and be it. Uh, and that's the end of the, the revisions to the resolution. Okay, thank you. So it has been moved and approved, um, um, and so we will have, did you? And, and so uh, the motion should be to approve the resolution as amended. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, so I can go ahead. Yeah, I restate um, my motion is to approve the uh, resolution as 
amended. Okay, and it has been seconded. So all those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed, so, so the ayes have it. Thank you very much for your Thank report. you. Thank, Thank you, Joey. Very much, Director. Okay. Next item, please. Okay. Item number nine, resolution to one, accept the improvement offers within right-of-way lands on Yerba Buena Island and portions of Treasure Island along with water tanks and switchyard improvements, city improvements. Dedicate the city improvement to public use. Designate the city improvements for street and roadway purposes or as city assets depending on the improvement. And two, recommend to the Board of Supervisors that it dedicate and accept for city maintenance and liability. The city improvements take various acceptance actions related to encroachments on the right-of-way lands that are tied to assets and adopt environmental findings. And uh, uh, Wei Zhang will be presenting on this item and, and similar to the previous item, um, there are uh, a few amendments that we'll need to make to the resolution. And has that been presented to the board, the mm -hmm. uh, amendments? The, yep. the, the, you should have the draft, okay. uh, revised draft resolution in front of you. Thank you. Thanks Thank for the introduction, Bob. Yeah. Um, good afternoon, uh, board of directors. Uh, my name is Wei Zhang. Uh, again, I'm here to present to you um, the today's topic. Uh, it's quite a mouthful, but uh, uh, basically drills down to city improvements acceptance um, and dedication and designation by TIDA and recommendation to the Board of Supervisors to acknowledge TIDA's acceptance of the city improvements and for the city to accept the city improvements for maintenance and liability. And then there's some TIDA improvements to accept within the public right of way. Um, so with that, um, I will begin the presentation. Um, this is just a brief outline of today's presentation. Uh, I will go through basically the city improvements on the birth view, on the 2,500 feet birth view of the city improvements that are happening on Yuba Brina Island and, um, and on Treasure Island. Um, I'll provide a little bit of definition, what is the city improvements, um, and then I'll provide some status of the city improvements. And then we will review the city improvements acceptance procedures and process. Um, there's some governing agreements um, TIDA and the city agencies have um, executed and entered into. So we're essentially following those processes um, in the executed agreement already as guided by various attorneys um, and city regulations. Um, and next, uh, I'll go to and review the TIDA improvements uh, within the public right-of-way uh, with you. Um, those are some of the TIDA assets that TIDA will accept for maintenance and liability. Um, and uh, there's some nuances to that as well. Uh, we'll get to that, and then we'll go through uh, question and discussion. And then as Bob mentioned, um, there are some amendments that the city attorney's office recommended um, so that we will need to read through um, those amendments uh, similar to what uh, my colleague Joey have done for the ferry improvements. Um, so in a nutshell, everything the developer has done, TICD has done, um, the master developer has done on Treasure Island and on Yuba Reno Island are, can be summed up as public improvements. Um, and then the public improvements can be divided to city improvements or tidal improvements. Um, and this, might, this chart might be a little bit familiar to you. I presented this slide um, back in October's board meeting um, um, where I described what is basically TIDA improvements versus what is city improvement. And today our focus is gonna be on the right side of the slide where we talk about city improvements. 
and city improvement generally are best public improvement that are within the city's right away. Uh, namely, there are the roads, the sidewalk, curb, gutter, water, power, sewer, storm drain facilities. Uh, they are the traffic signals. They are the electrical switchyard, the water tanks. Um, and then later on, I'll go through sort of an in detail of uh, tidal improvements. But let's focus on the city improvements uh, first. Uh, this is the current status, um, sort of an overall plan view map of the developments on Treasure Island and Yuba Brina Island. Um, and uh, stage one of Treasure Island and Yuba Brina Island are basically under and complete um, uh, street improvements. And then there is the uh, uh, improvements on the upper right, upper left-hand side of the screen. That's the 12 kV switchyard. That's also part of the city improvement. Uh, that's an electrical switchyard. That's a new infrastructure that the developer and the PUC have put into operation. Um, and then there's just, uh, just another uh, slide that talk about the infrastructures in the city improvements. Um, um, the city has a process to certify, inspect, and ascertain the improvements are built according to the city standard and according to the approved plans and are satisfy those city's rules or regulations. And that process is the notice of completion. And notice completion has been completed for basically all the city improvements that we're talking about here today, which are namely uh, TI stage one and YBI um, SIP, street improvement permits. And you can sort of, um, sort of generically referred to SIP as utility and street infrastructures. So those are the utility and street infrastructures on first stage of TI or Treasure Island and on Yuba Brena Island. And then the notice of completion is also issued, has also been issued by Public Works for the water tank and pump facilities, as well as that TI switchyard that I was just pointing out earlier. And then also, the notice of completion also covers the title assets within these um, uh, SIP packages. Um, and then also in your director's report uh, in the, this items package, we also included the draft of the public works director's or, uh, order. And the order essentially recommends um, the board of supervisor and TIDA to accept the city improvements and for the Board of Supervisors to acknowledge TIDA's acceptance of, the, uh, of TIDA's improvements as well. So those drafts of the, board, of the director's order are in the board package. Um, uh, I'd like to go into a little bit more detail about the city improvement just on a bird's eye view. This is again a plan view of the overall improvements on TI. And you can see a bunch of things that are um, grayed out. And the only things that are city streets are highlighted in yellow. So they are on TI, and they're namely the Treasure Island Road, Clipper Cove uh, Avenue, Seven Seas Avenue, Tree Winds Avenue, um, Corvath, uh, sorry, Bruton, Corvath, and Johnson, and Avenue of the Palms. Um, those are public city right away. Um, and then also highlighted, it's also that 12 kV switchyard at the eastern end of the island. And, and then obviously the utilities underneath those uh, streets and whatever utilities that are in the public 
easement are part of the city improvements. And then on the Yuba Burning Island, the city improvements are basically highlighted again in yellow. Um, namely, they are the, um, the Yuba Burning portion of the uh, Treasure Island Road um, and Mokala and Yuba Burning Road, which is the ring road that loop around the dog park and the hilltop park, as well as the public easement area that surrounds the water tank facility that covers it. Um, I think uh, at this point, uh, I just want to, one might ask, like, why is Taida uh, involved in accepting of city improvements? Uh, technically, they're city improvements. And uh, the reason why that is, is because the city improvements are essentially all resides within the trust lands. And Taida, as the trustee, uh, per state regulations, must approve the improvements and must accept the improvements. Um, because per state regulations, we're the trustee of the trust lands, and that's why we're involved. Um, and that's why there's this two board process um, as dictated by the agreements, as well as all the governing um, bodies and governing documents on city improvement acceptance. Basically, um, the title board will need to take action, consider, and accept the improvements, um, dedicate them to public use, designate, applicable improvements to street and roadway purposes. And then city, and then TIDA board will recommend to the Board of Supervisor to acknowledge TIDA's acceptance and accept the city improvements for liability and maintenance. Um, again, I repeat, um, the city will accept the uh, maintenance and liability of the city improvements. They're, they don't reside with TIDA, so we're kind of a path through uh, again, because we're the trustee and the improvements on our, our, on our trust, trust lands. Um, the second step is for the Board of Supervisor to consider, uh, acknowledge, and accept the city improvements and dedicate them to public use, designate city improvements for street and roadway purposes, or as t city assets, such as the 12 kV or the water, uh, water tanks. Um, this is just a rough timeline of when we expect the city board of supervisors to act and take action. Um, you know, this is tentative, but uh, ideally, um, the city staff, TIDA staff, and the developer staff are tracking this very closely, trying not to delay uh, any more than what the schedule has already shown. Um, and the effective dates of the ordinance. Uh, that will be passed by the Board of Supervisors to accept the city improvements essentially is in March of 2024. So all those yellow streets and all those utilities and the water tanks and 12 kV will be the city's asset and the city's responsibility to govern, maintain, and operate by essentially March of 2024, according to this schedule. We're trying to not let this slide as much as possible. Good. Um, so with the city um, business out of the way, <laughs> so to speak, I uh, wanted to just focus on our asset, Titus asset, Titus improvements. Uh, again, back in October, um, I presented to the board uh, a bunch of assets that are Titus assets outside of the right-of-way. Um, and again, my colleague just presented the title asset, the ferry terminal improvements, which is also outside of the city's right-of-way. It's on the waterland. Um, and in the October board, I presented the parks, 
for doc, uh, for um, the 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 stormwater gardens as well as some infrastructures, um, the Signal Road, North Gay Road. Um, so those are all uh, assets that fall into category number one on the left hand of the screen. So those are assets that are outside of the public right away uh, on Titus parcel that we have accepted um, through uh, our actions, um, to the board's actions. Um, today we're also talking about category number two, which is some assets that are within the public right-of-way or within those yellow areas in the previous slide. Those are kind of the street furnitures, um, benches, back racks, wayfinding sign foundations, uh, shadow stop islands, and some minor tidal utility that service tidal assets. Um, so now we'll kind of go through those in a, in a little bit more detail with you. So these are sort of tidal improvements um, there are three shadow stop islands on seven seas. Um, right now, the Muni uses them um, as part of their um, temporary Muni bus service, but uh, the concrete island itself is what we're taking on as the asset. Um, that's what this um, asset is, and that's a picture of it uh, with, a, with a Muni sign on it. And it's ADA accessible and it's brand new. It's connected to the sidewalk and it's, uh, has this nice design that led the bike path, bike bicycle lane path through. Um, it's very nice of a kind of a kiss and ride kind of a, a shuttle stop. And then this is another comprehensive picture of TI with all the street furniture sort of aggregated in here. We got benches, we got bike racks, we got perches, we got leans. Uh, we got wayfinding signs. Um, in here, uh, mistakenly, this graphic shows the trash cans, which uh, I'm happy to report the trash cans are actually standard trash cans, so the city will be actually be taking that, uh, not Tida. So the city will be uh, contracting out recology and picking up the trash on the, uh, and servicing the public trash cans. Uh, that's not a Tida asset that we need to take into consideration today but the rest are. And I've sort of uh, uh, itemized the number of locations um, that, that these assets are. They're not totally the total number of them because in some locations where you see the dots, uh, there are quite a number of bike racks and they are different um, in each locations. But um, the, the number of locations where the bike rack are installed are sort of listed here. Um, and I'll go ahead and show you some pictures. Uh, and again, this is the bike rack on uh, Clipper Cove Avenue. Uh, pretty brand new. I took these pictures yesterday when the weather was really good, so they came out really nice. Um, and uh, the bench, um, again, there. this is, I believe, in front of the, um, I think this is, this is also on Clipper Cove Avenue, I believe. Um, Again, one of those uh, similar Corten style metal uh, special fabricated bench. Um, and then this is another one where we have two bike racks and uh, what's called a lean, um, lean rail actually. Um, that's on the uh, ADA uh, crosswalk there. And then I, on the picture on the right are the two perches uh, in front of uh, a Marcio May building uh, in front of their uh, main entrance to their building. Uh, as a matter of fact, those two perches essentially made out of the same uh, 
I believe the same steel, um, sort of steel, Cortan steel field um, material. Um, and then this is another style of the bench at the Garden Walk by Starview Quartz. Um, actually, you can see the Starview Quartz is um, accessible. At least I was able to assess it. Um, I'm not sure it's open to the public yet, but I was able to take this picture. Um, it looks like it's pretty much um, all finished. And you can see on the right um, all the benches um, and the back racks and the liens and the purchase all have Treasure Island uh, stencil in them um, so that you know just make it a little bit more special. Uh, also means that they're um, custom made. Um, you can't you can't buy this off of a shelf. So, um, and then this is just an overall map of on YBI some of the tidy improvements. I don't have any pictures for them because uh, them are also are just um, are just wayfinding sign uh, foundations, and uh, also are just uh, irrigation sleeves that connects one park to the other park. So um, all of these TIDA assets that are within the public right of way, um, TIDA will need to get a will need to obtain a uh, city encroachment permit uh, in order for the city to uh, allow TIDA to have these assets within the public right of way. And we TIDA staff is working with the city attorney and public works to obtain those permits. Um, just cost and operations for these assets, uh, they're pretty minor. Um, so in the uh, public imp in the public improvement agreement, um, the future homeowner association HOA uh, will be responsible for maintenance and liability of all the site furnishings. Uh, they belong to Tida. Tida is the owner, but the HOA will be uh, paying for the um, maintenance and liability for the site furnishings. However, um, the formation of the HOA and associated CCNR, the covenant restriction, is still underway. Um, we learned that they won't be done until the end of 2024. Um, perhaps the HOA won't actually start uh, gathering revenue from the uh, assess assessments until early 2025. So in the meantime, until the HOA is formed um, and able to fund, self-fund some of these maintenance and, and liabilities for these site furnishings and and stuff, uh, TIDA uh, is gonna kind of step up and we'll engage two works, uh, our vendor for performing janitorial services for the street furniture, keeping them clean, uh, free of, uh, you know, um, bird droppings and, and trash collecting around the site furnitures, um, and as well as in, uh, potentially engage with public work, uh, our city vendor to making sure that there's uh, uh, if there's any sign replacement that's needed or any graffiti abatement that's needed. Uh, in my walk around the street furnitures, I did not observe any tagging or graffiti on these um, beautiful side furnishings as of yet. Um, so, so that comes to summarize my, my, my briefing. Uh, again, we talk about the completed um, uh, city improvements um, the notice of completion and the director's order um, certified that YBI SIP, TI Stage 1 SIP, water tanks, and the 12 KV are completed, um, and the city's essentially satisfied with the completion and their uh, per plan and to the city and San Francisco's 
specifications and regulations. Uh, we walk through the two board process and procedure for acceptance of the city improvements. Um, and then we walk through some of the um, title improvements within the right of way, uh, the street furnishing, the shadow islands, and such. Um, normally, this is where I end, um, but uh, I've been told to ask uh, to, to add this one last uh, uh, thing to the uh, slide to the uh, presentation. Again, just wanted to give you guys, some, the board members, some some uh, context of the revisions to the resolution. Um, and the revisions are generally falling into two categories. Uh, they are to recognize that a portion of the improvements, the city improvements, are done by CI TI Series 2, the development affiliate. Um, that's the 12 kV switchyard. And also to revise and restate, uh, for the record, the acceptance and dedication and designation action by title board to make it more in line with the uh, anticipated board of supervisors ordinance. Um, and then there's other minor clerical changes that I'll read through with you in this resolution. Okay. Thank you. That was a very comprehensive report. Uh, thank you for making that. I am so pleased that we are at this stage because there's been so much construction that has happened over the last, uh, really, the last couple of years. It seems to have been, you know, um, much more um, work that has been completed. Um, so it's good to be at a stage where we can accept the final improvements. So thank you very much for working on that. We have some questions. Ms. Preston. Okay, so my first question is when it comes to, you said everything highlighted in yellow is taken care of by the city. It, that's correct. Okay, so when it comes to the corner of trade winds and um, seven seas, that right turn right there, two things. Will there be signage allowing a right turn or not allowing a right turn? Because it gets confusing when the um, traffic light is up. There are people who are who want to make a right turn, but mm -hmm. it's actually no room. It's just a bike lane. And it's no signage saying that you cannot make a right turn. Mm. Sorry, the, the right turn there from Seven Seas onto Trade Winds is a, a legal maneuver. Um, it, it, uh, yeah, we, we can discuss with MTA. Uh, that's when you're on Trade Winds, the reason why the left turn lane stop bar is set so far back because it, it, it anticipates that people making that right turn would would need cross that. in need that yeah. space so yeah. that, so, so that that is the the design of it but i i recognize what you say about yeah. the concern of um, someone potentially turning into the bike lane rather than into trade winds yeah um, i mean it's kind of like there's not enough space which brings me to the next thing is will that particular turn on trade winds and also at Clipper Cove and Treasure Island Road, and then the um, the road leading to the Oakland entrance. Those all are, they seem really narrow. Um, for the bigger trucks, and I know it's a lot of construction vehicles out there, so they're kind of, but you can look at the curb 
and see the scuff marks in these different areas. And especially when you're at the top where the bus stops, so when you make that left turn going up on the hill, you actually go into the bus lane. And I've seen people kind of jump that concrete curb on the left side trying to avoid going into the bus lane. So there is, it's like three different areas that are really, they narrow at a mm. certain point. At any point where those areas gonna be widened somewhat? Uh, no, the, the design of the roadways is intended to keep speeds low and oh. crossing distances short uh, for pedestrians. Um, so the, there, no, the, the um, improvements are constructed as intended. Um, I think we'll need to monitor them uh, and um, you know maybe do some educational informational uh, materials, but they, they are constructed as intended. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think people are really getting used to having lights on Treasure Island. Well, you know, as a, <laughs> as a, <clears throat> I think as a general observation, I think the roads on the new new streets on TI and on YBI are generally a lot more narrower than well, what used to be, um, you know, before the development. And that is the intended effect that um, it has a traffic calming effect. People tend to drive um, slower where they should be driving slower um, when there is a narrower street. And you can see that across um, many new sort of development areas where um, there's um, introduced uh, raised intersections, um, bow bulbs, and narrower lanes, um, all to reduce speed and people's driving behavior. So there, there's a little bit of, like Bob mentioned, some education to, to the, to the uh, vehicular uh, drivers that you know, they need to become yeah. accustomed to um, these these new new streets and how they're how they're you know how they're built and and also they're narrow because we have we very intentionally put bike pathways as well as pedestrian pathways so you have to fit all that in yeah I'm, <laughs> right. I'm with Bob I think we can okay. stand to educate the community a little better I'm I'm noting the time and it's already 3:50 almost that's an incorrect time so Miss Richardson yeah. So thank you again, uh, Wayne, uh, for your comprehensive uh, presentation. The first one you gave before, this is uh, very supplemental to that. And the question that I have actually have bearing with the one I said before for the ferry. So the resolution that we have before us, again, is very explicit. The Department of Public Works, the city engineer, and all mm -hmm. these entities that have regulatory oversight of what we are doing. They preceded what we are already inspected and they've looked at all this improvement and based on their obligations and regulatory <coughs> oversight are saying here for us, that yes, they are comfortable, so we should be comfortable into, you know, accepting. And I like the idea that with the breakdown for all the obligations, you know, what tighter is obligated and so are accepting this again enables the next level of the Board of Supervisors to accept their mm -hmm. obligation because, again, uh, we tell people all the time, even though Tider is overseeing the <coughs> development, the resident, this is a city property. Mm -hmm. And so whatever is grandfather to that, we, the expectations is basically what um, we are trying to do here. 
at some point, again, you're, at some point, it would be great knowing that the former redevelopment to look at trustees of entities like us. I would like to see some of the projects and areas in, <coughs> in San Francisco <coughs> where the trustees and again, you know, based on the regulations, are doing all these maintenance and how they are going. It would be great. It's something that I want you to kind of write down. And we can look at the models in, um, you know, throughout the, um, to, to throughout the city and county of San Francisco. And lastly, a breakdown, <coughs> I think it's extremely important that you mentioned that the HOA, <coughs> they will be having the maintenance and the, you know, the liabilities. Yep. And at some point, whatever is left of that on the tighter, you know, we need to look at the revenues or whatever to see what the HOA, what is outside of the HOA, mm -hmm. and what is actually within our tighter, you know, okay. obligations. Thank you. I think we can really do that. So I am very comfortable, and again, um, based on the revisions to the resolution, I would like to um, make a motion to the resolution that's as amended. Okay. okay. Um, did you need to read the... Yeah. Yeah, I think we need to just go through the same um, motions. Is that right, Bob? Yeah, okay. yeah they, they need to be read into the record. All right. uh, let's quickly. do it yeah. quickly. So I'll, I'll start that. Just um, the keys, please. The key areas. So uh, hopefully you will have um, the uh, redlined version. Yeah. Um, yes, we have the So on line 18 on page one, uh, replace designate uh, with dedicate. Okay. And then I'm jumping to page three. Um, I'll read the second paragraph uh, in whole as revised. Uh, whereas Treasure Island Series 1 LLC, Treasure Island Series 1, and Treasure Island Series 2 LLC, Treasure Island, uh, Treasure Island Series 2, each an affiliate of developers and partial assigned key of the developers' rights and obligations under the DDA, have each prepared irrevocable Offers of city improvements and the title assets to the city and authority, the Treasure Island Series 1 offer and the Treasure Series 2 offer collectively the offers, uh, copies of which are on file with the Secretary of this Board and are incorporated herein by reference. And um, I'm going to read the next paragraph starting in line 9 on page 3 again, whereas Public Work um, has drafted Public Work Orders confirming each, uh, in each that public work has inspected the city improvements and title assets. Um, I'm going to stop there. And I will start, um, I guess, on page 3 on line 16. I'll read the entire paragraph. Whereas in each of the public work orders, the interim public work director recommends and the city engineer certifies to authority board and the board of supervisors and the and that the city improvements and the city assets shall be accepted, dedicated for public use and public use and the streets and designated as public right of way for street and roadway purposes. And public work further recommends that the Board of Supervisors acknowledge the authority uh, number one, uh, acceptance of the offers, a TY series T acceptance of the offers of the city improvements and title assets, dedications of them for public use, designation of streets as, pub, uh, as open public right-of-way for street and roadway purposes, 
and acceptance of the title assets for maintenance and liability purposes subject to warranty and guarantees described in the public work order. Uh, and two, recommendation to the Board of Supervisors that the Board of Supervisors accept the city improvements, and I'm on page four, dedicate them for public use, designate the streets as public, as open public right-of-way for street and roadway purposes, and accept the city improvements other than the signal road for maintenance and liability subject to warranty and guarantees reference in the public work order. Uh, a copy of the draft public work order are all on file with the direct, uh, with the secretary of this board, which are incorporated herein by reference. Um, and then I'll keep going. Um, again, this is on page eight. Uh, I'm sorry, on page four, line eight. Whereas the authority will accept and designate for, I'm sorry, accept and dedicate for public use the, the title asset and accept them for maintenance and liability purpose subject to the warranty and guarantee reference in the, in the public work order. Um, and uh, I'll start reading line 11. Again, still on page four. Accept, accept the city improvements, dedicate them for public use and designate the streets as open public right of way for street and roadway purposes. Whereas the authority recommends the Board of Supervisors acknowledge the authority's action in this resolution, accept the Im city improvements, dedicate for public use, designate the street as open public right-of-way for street and roadway purposes, and accept the city's improvement other than signal road for maintenance and liability purposes subject to warranty and guarantee reference in the public work order. Um, and then there's a strikeout for line 19 and 20, completely. And then I'm moving on to page five. Um, the amendment are in line 21. Um, I'm just gonna read the paragraph as revised. Further resolved that the authority board accepts the offers of the city's improvements and title assets dedicates them to public use, designates the streets as public, as open public right-of-way for street and roadway purposes, accepts the title assets for maintenance and liability purposes subject to warranty and guarantees referenced in the public work order upon satisfaction of all the following conditions. Number one, execution of the public work order. Number two, delivery of the, delivery to the authority of the fully executed offers, and if applicable, assignments of warranty described in the public work order. And number three, the items listed in the, for, in the, for, in the foregoing clauses, number one and two, all substantially in the same form as, drafted, as drafts filed with the secretary of this board. Number four, acknowledgement of authorities action in this resolution by the Board of Supervisors and number five acceptance by the Board of Supervisors of the city improvements dedication of them for public use designation of the streets as open public right-of-way for street and roadway purposes and acceptance of city improvements other than the signal road by the Board of Supervisors for maintenance and liability purposes subject to warranty and guarantee reference in the public work order um, and then um, number 
And then I'm just going to read the, just going to keep reading. Uh, number nine, further resolve that the authority board acceptance of the offer of city improvements and title assets is for city improvements and title assets only. And I'll stop there. And then the revisions on number 13 on page six, further resolve that the authority board recommends to the board of supervisors that the board of supervisors acknowledge the authority's acceptance of the offer of the city's improvements and title assets, designations of streets as open public right of way for streets and roadway purposes, dedication of the city improvements and title assets for public use, and acceptance of title assets only for maintenance and liability purposes subject to uh, the warranties and guarantees referenced in the public work order. And finally, further resolve, um, page six, uh, line 21, further resolve that the authority board recommends to the Board of Supervisors that the Board of Supervisors accepts the city improvements, dedicate them for public use, designate the city's, designate the streets as open public right of way for street and roadway purposes, and accept the street improvement other than the signal road for maintenance and liability purposes, subject to warranty and guarantee reference in the public work order. And there's strikeouts of line, after that there's strikeouts of line 25 and on page six, and then strikeouts of line one and two on page seven. And that's the end of the amendment Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that was uh, quite a mouthful. Yes. Resolution as amended. Yes. So, um, <coughs> the, the, is there any public comment? Excuse me, there's no public comment on okay. the line. Okay, all right. Then this is an action item. Yeah. Um, so, let's have a motion and a second. Second the motion. Okay. So, all those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed, and the ayes have it. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Can we postpone um, So I, since it is for 401 now, um, we still have two items on our agenda which are not action items, they're informational. We, um, can, is it possible for us to hear those um, at the next postpone? meeting? Uh, we could continue those to the next yeah, meeting. So, if, so if I that's think your that preference. that would be wiser. Um, I'm sorry we started late, um, but um, we um, have gotten through the agenda, at least for the action items. And I think we, it, the parks discussion requires our um, more clear <laughs> thinking. So let's do that at the next meeting then. Okay? okay. All right. So. Uh, I think there's a next item is, other than those that were on the agenda, let me see, where is it? Is there anything else, Peter? Item number 12, discussion of future agenda items by directors. I hear none, except those that are in the, we have action. the um, agenda that we are continuing for the next meeting. Okay. Um, okay. Next item, is that it? Thank great you job, very Peter. much. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, all of you. Yeah, thank, thank you, director. Great job. Yeah. For your patience. Okay. Filling it for Kate. 